0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We, as fans, have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. Like tonight, we are the bastards of Boston baseball. You can find us on Twitter at bastards underscore boston. I am your host Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at smith underscore mlb bringing us back in for tonight's show we have cody paulson and nick face are you gentlemen ready hit there okay. <laughs> all right at the same time i love it great so for hot takes cody we're gonna have you bat lead off what is your first hot take for the evening
1: First hot take for the evening. I kind of alluded to this a little bit in the previous show when we were doing studs and duds. Um, it comes from March Madness. Uh, Devers is too much in his own head. I think we talked a little bit about it uh, at length. You know, uh, he's trying to swing for the fences. He's expanding his zone. He's pressing. Um, you know, really just swinging at junk. Trying to be overly aggressive. Trying to get you know that five-run home run every time he's at bat, whether it be guys on solo, whatever it is, and you know. This is a guy, the power is obviously undoubtedly there. He's going to have the 30 home runs <laughs> at the end of the season, chalk it up. It's, you know, barring injury, knock on wood. The production and the power is going to be there. What we need from him is a little bit more consistency. Uh, this is a guy in, in the past has had a reasonably high batting average for, you know, a guy that does as much damage as he as he does do. And he's batting in, you know, the low 200s, 240s right now. And I'd really like to see that number Come up a little bit higher. Um, I don't think it's particularly a hot take per se, but it's definitely something that you know we as Red Sox Nation need to kind of keep keep an eye on because it is a concerning trend to say the least. And you know, um, this is a guy that's also you know produced well in the playoffs, produced well in big situations, and he's you know seemingly coming up a little bit uh, coming up short a little bit more frequently than we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, Charlie mentioned it um, in studs and duds. You know. Striking out, with the bases loaded. That's unheard of, right? At the very least, he's putting the ball in play or, or swinging in a good pitch or just missing a ball. Um, striking out is not really his his MO, especially in those big pressure situations.
0: Nick?
2: Yeah, the mental game has always been a thing with Devers that I always think about a little bit when he goes up to the plate. And the approach that he uses at times baffles me. and. I just think a lot of the times he gets in his head with trying to put all the pressure onto him, trying to hit the ball out of the park every time he can and trying to be that, you know, the guy to get it done. I think it's definitely a quality of caring. I mean, I think he cares tremendously about his ability to be a solid baseball player I think that he wants to show everybody that he is worth all the money that he was just given with this lux- luxurious contract. And he doesn't really have the protection like he's had in years past. This, this is new for Devers right now. It's a new transition without you know his buddy Xander Bogarts, without J.D. Martinez in, in that lineup, without the real protection that he's ever seen or ever had. I'm actually not that surprised, truthfully, coming into it this early in the season, that the numbers are not where I think we're all more comfortable with. I think if he were in the 270-280 range, this conversation wouldn't even be happening about in his head. I think this is more of a, he's in a little bit of a slump, he's been injured a little bit, he's banged up, it's how he's going to get out of this funk that he's in, and drive the ball with authority, knock those runs in when they're on base and not come up with the bases loaded again and not get anybody in because that's the guy that you need. You need Devers to be that leader, that guy that's going to get the job done when the the job is needed. So I'm not overly concerned. He just needs to get his mind more clear and get back to being the Devers that we know.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I mean, you got to get on base for the guy or he's going to try to do more. He's going to try to make up for the fact that not only was nobody on base, but he wants to also knock himself in, possibly injury-related. We did talk about it a lot on the last show, and I think we've talked about him a couple of times in the same you know, matter of fact here. Um, So I I just don't want to seem like I'm beating a dead horse by talking about it over and over again. We need to get guys on base for him to knock in. Uh, obviously the basis loaded strikeout was a little bit of a concern, but he's not doing that every time. So I think we'll just move from there and, and call it what it was just a, you know, unlucky situation. Um, next hot take, uh, Nick, what do you have first?
2: This one came from Drew Landry and his take was time for Cora's firing. Show him the door by the all-star break. And I actually laughed when I saw that one right there. I mean, th- this, this is one of the more outrageous ones that we saw here tonight. There's no way that Cora's getting the door from what we've seen so far this season. You can definitely question it on a little bit of the slump with the Tampa series that we had earlier. You can even chalk it up with the Cardinals and even the Angels series of sorts. But there's nothing that's been remotely, you got to fire Alex Cora from any of this. They are what they are right now. They're about a 500 team, and they're being competitive. And they're in it. You know, they're fourth right now in their division. The wild cards for anybody here. They are by no means out of this right now, and we're just about to turn the page into the month of June. If anything, it's shown me that Alex Kaur has kept things consistent and has been somebody that the players relate to. That's one of the big reasons why he came back this second time around after the suspension and everything. Communicates well with the players. The players like him as their manager. If you got rid of Alex Cora here, you got a lot of ruffled feathers in that clubhouse right now, and I don't want to even envision what that could look like right now. So, yeah, let's ride with Cora. We're all good on that right now.
1: I've long been a guy that's never really been a fan of Alex Cora, even when it was uh as his time as a player here in, in the organization. Um, I've definitely put the put his feet to the fire early in the season. I thought, you know, he was largely underwhelming as as we kind of got going. Nick mentioned it in the in the Tampa series. Um, I thought, you know, he was outmanaged in the Pittsburgh series. There's been a lot of times in which you know, there were questionable decisions, right? Why were we continuously putting Brazier and Ort on the field, even in reasonable leverage situations, let alone high leverage situations? Um, as we are one to do on this podcast, we eat crow when we are wrong. I think he's done um, a much better job as of late and recently. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this in uh, previous previous pods when there's been a little bit of a a shakeup in the organization bench coach or manager or you know whatever it ends up being you really only notice the manager when something's going wrong right and there's very few managers where you're like oh man that guy always pushes all the right buttons he's you know got his finger on the pulse he does a great job um and largely when a manager gets changed it's either you know they need a new voice in the room or things are going so well. You don't want to change. You want to keep that consistency that Nick was talking about. Right. And as this team continues to play, uh, I guess above their heads, as some might say, um, I don't think that changing the voice in the locker room is going to be that shakeup that, you know, is going to help us in the long term. Uh, We are right in the thick of it for the playoff Uh, picture, you know, we're playing in easily the hardest division in MLB, in my opinion. Um, and you know it's apart from Tampa it's anybody's game on on you know who's in the mix for the AL East and, and those wild card spots so um, as much as I'm not a big horror guy myself uh, I don't think there's any reason to show him the door definitely not by the all-star break unless you know he really just starts phoning it in or mailing it in and, and does some questionable decision so um, here's the thing guys uh, we
0: Each manager is going to make some blips during the regular season. That's going to happen. It is what it is. The Boston Red Sox have the ninth or tenth best record in baseball. That means that four out of the nine best teams are in the American League East. The Boston Red Sox have a better record or the same record as two division leaders right now, both the Minnesota Twins and the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers are 28 and 25, tied with the Boston Red Sox. And then they're 27 and 26 to Minnesota. They're game better than Minnesota, first place in the AL Central. So I don't necessarily think that canning the manager is going to all of a sudden fix everything. This is the only division where you've got more than three teams. Oh, excuse me. I stand corrected. Every single team above 500. The AL West has four. You have some divisions. There's only one Central. One team over five hundred in the a l in the um n l Central, you've got one team that's better than five hundred. Pittsburgh sitting pretty at twenty six and twenty six but it's just like it's kind of a joke. Um, this is the first time that I can remember all five teams in one division all with a positive record through fifty games. It's kind of maddening, really, and it's not gonna stay that way for the rest of the season. Obviously someone's gonna you know kind of sink a little bit but it is what it is and this has just been a really fluky freak year with certain things going right other things going wrong hitters going great pitching failing and then them inverting and you know pitching doing fantastic when the hitting disappears so the the you know the manager can only do so much so i don't think that sending Cora on his way right now is necessarily the right thing to do showing him the door by the all-star break I don't think would send the right message to the team. So I'm, I'm going to unfortunately give that one a pass, uh, Drew, on, on that take. So with that, uh, our next take comes to us from a guy named Dan. Uh, the bastards underscore Boston are the most annoying Red Sox pod. <laughs> so. I'm usually not one to get colorful with language. In fact, it's frowned upon when other podcasts in the group say, uh, you know, just use inappropriate language, you know, kind of frowned upon and whatnot. I have no idea who you are. You're irrelevant with all due respect. And I, I don't know what what we've done to annoy you or upset you and whatever, but... I don't care. Like this is, this is the only podcast that you're going to find on here. That is brutally honest. When things are going great. We're going to talk about the things going great. When things are going kind of crappy, we're going to be honest about that too. I'm not going to sit here and coddle you. If you want the red Sox to only have nice things said about them. It's just not going to happen. I feel bad for the person in your display photo who has to be a part of your really unique take. Uh, I, I, I just one hair off from saying it's just a bad one. There's n- nothing to it. That's not feedback. That's called feed whack. I can't learn from your tweet. I can't grow from your tweet. That's just senseless and wasteful. You. One you wanted
2: to add. Charlie, I think, I think, you think the, the, F- C- C- well, the FCC just came after Charlie on his rage right there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when any anytime you make any sort of content, right, you're going to get both ends of spectrum uh, in terms of the response, right? You're going to people who are like, yes, these are the people that you know kind of echo the sentiments that we have, and then you're going to get the other end of that coin where it's, hey, these people are you know (laughs) annoying or incorrect or or off their rockers. Um, But yeah, you know, as as Charlie mentioned, right, we we can't grow with this type of feedback or this kind of interaction. You know, if there's certain things that you would like to see from the account or certain things that you'd like to see error content produced, you know, that's a different conversation. Just flat out calling us annoying isn't going to be helpful, on, you know, unless you, know, you feel better about sending off that tweet. But, you know, we keep it moving. We uh, appreciate you hanging out with us in our atmosphere. And um, Nick, you got any thoughts?
2: I've just, I've listened to the bastards for a long time. And I know Cody, Cody and I are the kind of the newcomers of the bunch with everything that we've gone through in the past, you know, year and so, and I I'll just shoot from the hip from everything. I think we're all very classy. I think we're all far from very annoying. I think we're pretty interesting. We keep it real. We enjoy what we talk about and we try to have fun with it. So when you see a comment like that saying that it's annoying, all I do is look at that as I laugh. Like I'm people can have their opinions, they can have their things, but annoying? Annoying out of this one? I th- that's a stretch right there. So I think this this gentleman got exactly what he wanted tonight. He got a charge out of all of us. He got his name out there into lovely Twitter sphere. And if he's throwing a party, when he's listening to this right now, don't invite me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dan, uh, Dan honestly, if, if we're annoying, give us feedback, give us something, explain your point. That is a zero out of 10. That is a zero post. If you want to chirp me, feel free. I look forward to it. Otherwise it's whatever. Uh, Nick, what's your next hot take?
2: The next one amongst the bunch actually had to do with, as I lost my phone for a second, just want to make sure I read it accurately, came from Jamie Russell. says, in the end, Haim will reluctantly win over the Boston fans. That comes with a very big question that I have in me that says, the only way he's going to win over the fans is if the Red Sox win. If they go out and they don't do anything this season and they miss the playoffs and they're an epic fail, not going to win over anybody that way. You're going to win them over by getting into the playoffs, winning a series. And ultimately, at the end of the the main goal, is to win a championship. That's how you do it. That's how Ben Sherrington did it. That's how Dave Dombrowski did it. That's how Theo Epstein did it. Right now, Haim Bloom is a nobody. He's a nobody. He hasn't achieved greatness. He doesn't have greatness until he gets to the promised land. And that promised land is that hopefully 2023 World Series trophy. Then he can be classified as a Sherrington, as a Dombrowski, as a, well, Theo's in a whole nother land, and even Dave Dombrowski is too. But if you even want to be Ben Sherrington level, dude, go win a championship because that's the only way you're going to be... Re- Uh, winning the fan base over in my eyes right now.
1: I think you're starting to see the tides turn already in in the way that Bloom's being perceived by this fan base. And, you know, uh, social media is dangerous in the regards of you're not really um, in tune with the full spectrum, right? You tend to follow the people that um, are somewhat similar to your opinions. Um, it, it's kind of easy for that. And, you know, you can get into the weeds of the algorithms and, you know, what's promoted and what's shown in the whole nine. Um, but, you know, we're already starting to see people stop talking about the game, stop talking about the players and start talking about the hard decisions that we're going to have to have in the future when some of these players start coming back. And it's the small moves like this that, um, you know, start to prove that the front office is starting to get viewed in a more positive light right? Because it used to be, hey, we're not winning and this roster sucks and there's no help and there's nobody coming, right? Now it's, hey, this prospect's, you know, being moved from high A to double A or double A to triple A or, you know, when this player comes back, what do you do with this roster? Or, you know, we're starting to see that next man up mentality, right? Uh, You know, guys like, or sorry, excuse me, teams like Houston, St. Louis, Tampa, a player goes down and seemingly the next player is somewhat better. And, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of that here in Boston. And, you know, as that continues to knock on what hopefully grow, um, it's going to be harder to look at Bloom and say, hey, man, this guy's done nothing for us. He's been a complete loser or an L or a zero. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, what this person said. It's it's going to be reluctant for some, but he is, you know, we're starting to see some of the benefits of, of his methodology. Uh,
0: really hard to top that. Um, honestly, in the end, you know, uh, Jamie, to your, to your point here, um, which is a great, great tweet, you know, this is, this is something with substance. You know, Dan, if you're taking notes, that's something that we can work with, not that garbage that you gave us. So, Jamie, um, here's the thing. Um, ultimately, I think there's a chance that he can win over the fans, and the way that he's going to do it is by getting us to the promised land. You know, Do you have to win a World Series? We'd love that. We'd like to get to one. We don't want to watch other teams get there because it's been a little while <laughs> starting to get the itch. I miss it. I want to get back there. And if we need to trade pieces to get it, I want to do it. So long story short, I think it can happen if he wins a title or gets us close
1: to it. Uh, Anything else you guys want to add before Cody gives us his hot take? Cody, go ahead. All right. This one comes from Gabrielle Blanchard at Gabrielle B82477. Uh, This one's three tiered. A lot to unpack here. Uh, So she... She levies out how goes back to the pen Cassis gets sent back down to make room on the roster and Devers was a waste of money. Uh, so, you know, we can kind of go piece by piece here, line by line, how going back to the pen um, that one, I don't know if necessarily a hot take, but it's, it's a, well, they won't they. And it's kind of played a couple of different guys on the roster. You know, we are uh, notorious for uh, essentially single handedly ending Daniel Bard's career. And I really hope that we don't go down that same path um you know blessed to see david bard um daniel bard excuse me come back and pitch well for the rockies uh really good to see him back in the bigs but um i think whatever we need to do with how we need to make that decision and we need to stick with it um you know barring some catastrophe in terms of statistics and and um response make a decision stick with it don't say hey man your starter this time through the rotation we'll see what happens when this player comes back or we'll see what happens after your next outing or you know the next time through the rotation like you can't you can't do that to these guys right they are so routine based they're so process oriented and not having that clarity on their role i think is only going to hurt them cassis gets sent back down to make room on the roster um you know had this tweet come out two three weeks ago i don't think it would have been a hot take at all um i think you know everybody would have been looking around saying hey He's, you know, a couple of bad games away from a 15-day a um, injury list, oblique, you know, phantom, whatever, injury, reprieve, get him to um, AAA, you know, let him find his swing again, let him find his groove, but he's doing it at the big league level. I mean, he's hitting the ball all across the yard. I think he's batting close to 300 um, in the month of May. He's bringing his batting average all the way up, you know, above the Mendoza line now, and, you know, we talked a little bit about how how productive he is when he swings at that first pitch, right? Uh, you know, I know we don't like to talk about Mookie and these spaces, but that's something that this lineup has really missed since Mookie left is, is being aggressive on those first pitches. A lot of times pitchers are just trying to get a fastball over the plate and that's going to be one of the best pitches you're going to see. in an that back, why not take advantage of that? Schwarber did it as well. And I don't know why that ideology, uh, you know, kind of left, um, uh, as those guys kind of went out the door. And the last one is, uh, Devers was a waste of money. Um. I don't really even know how to unpack this one. I mean, we're what 50 games into a 10 year deal. I believe it was for, for Devers, right? 10 years, guys, keep me honest here. Um, that's like firing a head coach after the first quarter of his first football game. I don't, I don't know why you're already out on, on Devers being a waste of money. I mean, this guy has been a stalwart for us at, at third base. He's got postseason pedigree, pedigree. Um, he's getting, increasingly more proficient to the point where he's now plus defensively, uh, which is always huge because that was kind of his knack. We always knew the bat was there. It was, you know, could he be um – essentially not a liability at third base. And he's proven to shore up that defense. You know, he's never going to be a Machado or an Arenado, in my opinion, but we don't need him to be, that. we just need him to, to not be holding our breath every time a ball gets hit the third base. And I think he has more than held up his end of the bargain. I am happy to give him the money that we gave him at the time that we gave it to him as well. Right. We're not giving these 10, 12 year deals, to guys that are already 30, 31, 32 years old. Uh, So Debra being a waste of money. That's a scorching hot take uh, and one that I just can't agree with. Nick.
2: I think Gabby did a great job with trying to get a lot of interaction and a lot of debate and a lot of topic going with her message that she sent. It's one of the most interacted ones on the Bastards uh, Twitter account right now. And I think rightfully so because I think there's, there's a lot of conversation that can be had from all three of the takes. Starting out with Hulk, I want him as a starter. I've said this from the very beginning of the season. I think that he slots in better as a pitcher. I don't want to see Daniel Bard 3.2 point whatever 4.0 version with Hulk going then back into the bullpen and messing him up. I think Hulk is also more of a competitor as, as, a, as somebody that can bounce around, can figure it out. And I looked at even today's start. It wasn't great, but he still adjusted, and he still was able to get the last, I believe it was nine outs. He was able to get everybody out for the Diamondbacks today. And that's been a, a little bit of a problem early on here for the season is as he goes longer in starts, he traditionally gets out of whack, control goes crazy in a way, and they start hitting, and there's no surprise anymore. So I give a lot of kudos to Hulk from today's start, but I also want to make sure we do focus on the fact that that start against the Angels was money, and it was a start that Cora basically said, we're going to move Kluber out there, we're going to give Hulk the, the opportunity and the chance. After this wonderful start, he's earned it. So this might be a little bit of a uh, you know bump in the road from this Diamondback start from today, but I am looking for him to keep building, just, just kind of like Brian Bayo's doing. As as you keep on going with the season, I want to see you make adjustment and get you your get your point or get to a point where you can be trusted and you can give length and you can have control and not have to have anybody question why you're in the rotation. So, again, I keep Hulk right where he is right now. And even if it's five innings, you got a Pavetta, you got Winkowski. you got guys that are out there to get you to the ninth, to get it to Jensen. So leave them be on that. Um, on uh, Anybody have anything they wanted to add on that part?
0: Oh, I mean, I'm going to give my take in a second, so I'll wait.
2: All right. Her second point that she had, I'm just trying to get my phone back up because it keeps going to sleep.
0: Cassis gets them back down.
2: Thank you, that. Thank you. Um, You can't right now. I mean, his May so far, I believe he's hitting about 281. I, two weeks back, would have said it's time to even think about Bobby D coming back up to get some playing time. He still has to develop more. And I look at, again, that first pitch That first one that's coming in, the Red Sox have notoriously over many, many years. You can even, I'm going to give a Nomar Garcia-Para reference on this. One of the best first ball hitters. You got to use that approach. If he gets that ball and it's a cupcake right down Broadway, you hit that ball and you get on base and you do everything that you can. So by all means, if it's a first pitch from that, do it. Acosta still needs to show he's, he's the long, long haul for first base, no question asked. And with Devers, way too soon, way too soon to even be questioning the amount of money on this deal. The Red Sox had to make this happen. They couldn't have Mookie Betts again. They couldn't have Xander Bogart. They couldn't have the same situation play itself out. But it's way too premature right now in this contract to be saying that this isn't worth the money hit a point where he's struggling right now. I don't really think it's fair to question that contract right now. Let's see him get out of this funk. Let's see him, what he's going to do when October hits at the end of the season to see, okay, what are his numbers going to be? And I think Devers will be just fine. And we won't have to worry about anything with, with Devers on this team and his future to you, Charlie.
0: Yeah. So really quickly um, in three words, no, yes, no how uh, going back to the pen? Not happening. I don't want to see it. And for all the reasons that we've talked about on this show and some of the other shows, uh, it'd be a disaster to continue manipulating the bullpen in the rotation. Cass is getting sent down. Cody actually already took the uh, words out of my mouth a couple weeks ago. This wouldn't have been a hot take, but with everything happening kind of recently, yes, he's getting his stride kind of coming back a little bit. I still think it ends up happening you got to move somebody, and you're only going to be moving players that have options to get sent down, and Casas, I believe, still has a few. The reference that, that's just poetic. You know, Cody, firing a coach after the first quarter of an NFL football game, speaking like somebody who knows college football uh, and regular football, you just wouldn't do it. So it, it would be very premature to, to say that he's a waste of money. This isn't Anthony Rendon in the second or third year of a deal where he's getting injured, unable to hit a home run or do anything. Uh, I think, actually, excuse me, he does have one home run finally uh, in 2023. But that's just, I think it's just a little bit of an unfair take to have at this present. It just feels, again, a little bit premature. Hauk had a fantastic start in Anaheim um, before, you know, kind of having a little bit of a rough rough start recently um, with Arizona. Cassis has had blips, ups, and downs. And while his batting average has kind of fluctuated, there are going to be certain players that, again, have the options. And, again, Devers. And, Gabrielle, please uh, don't, don't take this as, like, um, me just, you know, bagging on you because I appreciate you having and taking the time to write an insightful post, unlike other people who just couldn't be bothered to, you know, write something with sense into it. But uh, it, it just... It's too early to say that Devers is a waste of money, you know, point blank. Uh, Anything else that either one of you two wanted to add to that? All right, right on. So my last hot take, this is actually something that uh, I talked about today at a graduation party, Um, but this was that Freddie Freeman will set the single season record for the NL in doubles, reaching 60, breaking Todd Helton's record of 59, held back in 2000. Uh, The record right now was set back in the 1930s. I think it was like 61 or 62. Um, But I think that Freddie Freeman on his torrid pace is just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. Had another couple doubles today, I believe, putting him into the uh, low 20s, and we're just at 50 games. So is this possible? Can Freddie Freeman do it? I think it's a hot take. Anybody else? Cody, why don't you weigh in?
1: I don't think it's necessarily a hot take, right? It's just, you know, what are – what is his abilities to kind of prolong this stretch, right? You know, baseball is a game of runs and a game of streaks. Um, You know, you can argue that there have been few players more consistent than Freddie Freeman uh, since he's entered the league. Um, Sixty doubles, you know – without looking at the record books, you would not have guessed that that was, you know, like the major league or excuse me, national league record. Um, I think it's entirely possible. I mean, LA has got a huge outfield. They've got those power alleys and um, you know, maybe he's lost a step or two in the pop of the bat. And those, those, what were home runs are now turning into doubles. Right. Cause he always has, you know, close to, I would say, you know, 80 or 90 extra base hits every year. So 60 doubles. I don't think, Becomes too far-fetched. It definitely wasn't something that was on my radar. It's a cool statistic that you brought across our desk. Thank you for for you know putting this hot take into into the chat, Charlie.
2: Freddie Freeman uh, is the play- yeah. I was gonna just say Freddie Freeman is the player that I always wanted on the Red Sox. And when he became that free agent, when the Braves didn't get him, I lobbied and lobbied and lobbied to bring him in. I just I've always liked his play. I think he's a character stand-up guy, and the Dodgers are enjoying every moment that they can of Freddie Nation out there with the Dodgers. I think this is very realistic. Truthfully, looking at his numbers from everything, he's had a—he's at twenty-two right now. He's just eating up the league right now. He's a clear favorite right now of an MVP. I hope he gets it because here's a guy that deserves. Every sort of recognition that there is. Classy guy. Hope he gets it. Charlie, great great uh, topic for this evening on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at it, the doubles leader, you'll see a couple names pop up once or twice. Freddie Freeman led the league in doubles with 44 in 2018. He led the league in 2020 with 23, albeit it was short in sample size. Last year, he had 47 with the Dodgers. This year, he's up to 22 and leading all of Major League Baseball. He's been on the list four or five times, and I don't think it's going to stop. And to Cody's point, yeah, the pop may have disappeared, but man, oh, man, is he more than made up for it because these are not cheap doubles. And he's hauling, too. There are some of them that are, you know, probably singles that he's flipping into doubles because he's turning on the afterburners to get an extra base for his team, and he's setting the table. So, you know... More on them. I I think we're going to see it. We haven't seen sixty in a really, really long time. We've seen obviously fifty several times. David Ortiz a couple years back hit forty-eight, really close. Jose Ramirez had fifty-six the year after that. Um, So we've we've seen it. Devers had over fifty back in twenty nineteen. So it can happen. I think it is going to happen. Early two thousands fifty was regular. A lot of people got it. Uh, I I think it's going to happen again. Anything else that either one of you two want to add for that one? All right, right on. Well, that is going to wrap it up for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. And whether you are listening to us on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere where podcasts are available, thank you. Everyone have a great night. Take care.